Hello, friends. It's time to drop the needle on another episode of Supersonic Chat. This is the music podcast full of debate, jousts, thought experiments, all done in the name of entertainment. My name is Adrian Warhope. And I'm Leon Leroux. Adrian, as the keeper of the questions and the crafter of the conundrums for this deep dive into all things super and sonic, what kind of wacky time displacement device have you cobbled together in the workshop of your brain this week? And right next to you, I see this thing that appears to be made of nothing but bottle tops and vacuum cleaner hose and what I assume <laughs> is a lawnmower engine, but it seems to distill and seal a section of musical history into a jam jar ready to be cracked open by our listeners. Adrian, please explain what you've concocted here. <laughs> we are cracking open my concoction and we are spreading it thick over your ears, ready to dive in to another episode of Supersonic Chat. Leon, in the life of music obsessives, of music fandom, there are unwritten responsibilities. There are albums that at some point in your life you must listen to. Mm. In particular, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Leon, when you are faced with a wrong a musical wrong, a fandom wrong, you must take all necessary steps to write it. So like I said, Absolutely. in this series, we tackle the albums that you must have listened to in your life because, dear listeners, we've never listened to these. So we are confessing our wrongs mm. to you. We are writing our, our wrongs. Our confession booth. This is our confession booth. We publicly confess our wrongs. We take corrective action. And we present this subsequent recorded chat as our penance. So let it be known, dear <laughs> listeners, that I, Adrian, and my comrade Leon have never listened to either the 1985 album by Kate Bush called Hounds of Love or to the 1960 album by Miles Davis called Sketches of Spain. The chat we will now have will discuss our thoughts and yes, feelings on these exactly. two universally acclaimed albums. Leon, are you ready, steady, and ready to go? I am so ready. Let's dive in. So first up. Hounds of Love. It's the fifth studio album by English singer Kate Bush, released on the 16th of December 1985 by EMI Records. It was a commercial success and considered by many fans and critics to be Bush's best album. The album was mm. nominated in 1986 for the Brit Awards for Best British Album, so popular and commercially successful. Um, and, and Bush was also nominated for Best British Female and Best British Single for Running Up That Hill, hence why we are talking about it today. Of course, yes. it came into the zeitgeist this year, 2022, because the album re-entered various charts, including reaching number one for the single yeah, no. Crazy. on the ARIA charts, yes, due to its reappearance or its appearance um, in the Netflix series Stranger Things Season 4. <laughs> what a strange I know, and it's, 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 it is, it's a funny old thing where things cross over like that. And to be honest, when I was listening to this album, because it sort of generated so much hype, and I'm always very skeptical of hype, I was thinking, eh, I don't know if this is going to be much, I think it's yeah. going to be feeling really dated and yep. kind of like a real, like they might have chosen it because it sounds so, so, so 80s or something yes. like that. But I gotta say, I was extremely pleasantly surprised with this album and I enjoyed it a lot. Yes, I did too. I did too. I found it um, an interesting album. I found it captivating and we should dive in and chat more. Rolling Stone ranked Hounds of Love at number 68 on its list of 500 greatest albums of all time. So this is a that's pretty album. That's a pretty high ranking. Critically successful and commercially successful. And you're right, not something that we would normally engage with, but 
it was intriguing and captivating. Let's dive in. What do you think? Yeah, and well, I'm um, in this. Well, let me just pre- preface this whole thing, but by um, it, there's a song by Primus called "Year of the Parrot," where he sings. I've seen the likes of Kate Bush and Van Morrison teaching the parrots to sing. Oh, I forgot and, about that. Yeah, and I sort of didn't like, and I'd like to preface it just by saying that my love for this album had nothing to do with that off-the-cuff Primus lyric. It's, yeah. I just it came to my mind as I was listening to it and getting right into it, but I didn't really get at the time when when I heard that what he meant because I hadn't really heard much of Kate Kate Bush's work before. Me neither. But now I get it. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of influence from her work through so many people like um, Cindy Lauper or T- Tori Amos Tori or Amos, Björk yep. yes. or something like that. It's just so many people who I hear have obviously heard Kate Bush and gone, yeah, I want to I wanna do that kind of thing because her voice has a real presence. Yeah, I totally agree. I wrote down Tori Amos and I wrote down um, Bjork as well. Yep. Um, it definitely made me think of of Peter Gabriel's work in the 80s with his groundbreaking yeah. art pop albums. And he actually made a uh-huh. duet with Kate Bush called Don't Give Up. Did he? Which is probably, it's on that um, album So, which was his big commercial and critical success. Gotcha. Uh, has Sledgehammer and Big Time on it. Um, and that was the only really Kate Bush I knew other than running up that hill. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, but this album haunted me and it got under my skin in, in a wonderful, wonderful way. Um, I think the sound of her voice is actually really awe inspiring to me. Like I, I, get, I get this, it's so out there and it's almost, it's not intimidating, but it's like, it's intimidating. The voice sound of her yeah. voice, it's really in your face and it's a bit overwhelming. And I imagine that it's even more so live. Oh, it would it would be incredible, and she hasn't done a lot live. Um, I understand she kind of stepped out of the live performance space yeah. for a long time, and then sold mm-hmm. out a bunch of fifteen or twenty concerts, maybe in in the twenty teens sometime, um, with a mix of dance and puppetry and theatre and singing and all that in the in the way that Kate wow. Bush does. You know, she's a, she's an artist. This is an artistic album. It's a theatrical yep. album. It's an artistic statement. And mm. I think whereas contemporaries of hers in the eighties think Madonna were saying. Look yep. at me, look at me, I'm shocking. I think yes. <laughs> Kate Bush is up on a hillside spinning around, looking at the clouds, singing to herself in full abandon. Like there's this yes. mystic element and this element that she doesn't care what you think about her. She has exactly. art and she needs to get it out. And this album is a and great And you can hear that in her voice. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I, I love, like, in terms of all our confession booths, I think for me, this one only comes second to Pink Ooh. Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. That's how much I like this thing. And I found myself thinking about this album a lot and all day found, my, found her voice echoing around in my head. And some of those songs are actually really catchy, even though they're not very... Um, like I guess traditionally formulaic structured, or pop yeah, or formula exactly. They're, but they're so catchy and so interesting. Yeah, and I found myself thinking about a lot of these songs all day, um, even when I wasn't actively listening to them. I was they were sort of jumping around in my head. Yeah, it 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 kind of like I said, it haunted me. This album. Um, yeah, me too. You know, in terms of the track, I found it's an album of two sides. And inside A, so it's, yeah. it's it's twelve tracks, and there's um, six six songs on each side. If if you listen to it mm-hmm. traditionally, I listen to it on streaming mm-hmm. service. But I, I I felt that it was an album of two sides because it's it starts off with a a triple whammy. It's incredible running up that hill, yeah. hounds of love, the big sky, yes. 
are all yes. upbeat, pulsing, surging, um, pop uh, songs that that are really hooky and really interesting. Um, well, the first, can I just maybe start out with what I thought for me was the strongest song that I just couldn't stop listening to and was the highlight of the album? Yep. Cloud Bursting. Yep. You, you, you get that one too? Yeah, a, a, absolutely. And now, can I tell you, okay, so Cloud Bursting track five, there's the big three fast tracks yeah. and there's a slower track um, called Mother Stands mm. for Comfort, which um, gave me mad Tori Amos vibes. Um, oh, and I yeah, wanted big more time. of that piano and voice, you know, stuff. Uh-huh. It, got, it got a little bit overblown in the 80s arty production, a little bit with some yeah. glass yeah. smashing and, and yeah. whatnot. But uh, but that that was cool. But Cloud Bursting, it is like, oh. It's a yeah. better type of theatricality, you know. There's there's a swing to the rhythm yeah. with the violin theme, and the voice is so strong but fragile. It's it's awesome. Oh, it's so it's so good. And I've got a bit of a story. I don't know how much you got into the lyrics of this song. A, a little bit. I've got a story about this one too. Hit me. Do you? Yeah. Do you? Oh well. Um, this one. I mean, like, let me tell you a little bit about how I what I I kind of got from this before we get into that so i really love the way this song the melodies were constructed and how they combined with the lyrics that were being said so once you got into Mm. the meaning of the lyrics the melodies and the lyrics how they related together was it just lifted me every single time wow and it's so emotive and this the strings are constantly bringing you forward all the time and Mm. and it's got this this feeling of perpetually you know moving forward and going somewhere yeah um and that there's not a huge amount of drum like the strings kind of do most of the rhythm yeah and then there's a bit of a bass drum but other than that it's not like a really um like a drummy dancey kind of thing it's just no. it's just got this sort of perpetual rolling that goes along and um it's 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 a wonderful wonderful thing and i was getting super into the lyrics yeah awesome and, um, I ended up doing a bit of an Adrian and doing a lot of researching, actually. Okay. What'd you find? Well, you know what got me curious is, yeah. is that very first line, I still dream of Organon. I still dream of Organon. I wake up crying. You're making rain. Oh, okay. I didn't and I'm like, that. okay, and I'm like, what's organ on? <laughs> it's not, not her accidentally miss saying Oregon or something like that. I'm yeah. like, what's what is organ on? Or I'm like, I'm thinking, what? It sounds like some sort of ancient Lovecraftian monster, like Cthulhu yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what's what's organ on? Uh, yeah. yeah. And it turns out that Organon is the home and the research center of a German psychiatrist called Wilhelm Reich. Oh my God, I couldn't have picked that in a million years. Yeah, well, this this fellow was a student of Sigmund Freud and he had a bunch of crazy ideas 
as did a lot of you know pioneer scientists in the tw- early 20th century and he had like this this kind of these these ideas about uh about like energy like sort of life energy and he sort okay. of constructed these faraday cages and he, he called them orgone energy he called it orgone energy or something like that and created these like cages and he tested on mice and said that you know they were able to cure cancer just from this sort of life force that he could trap with these weird, weird little cages that he built wow. and then of course he built ones for people and um and, and i'll get into how how he tried to you know direct this energy but it's just, it's really interesting um, and then apparently in, um, he moved to America and lived there during the Second World War. And in 1941, when Germany was officially at war with America, the FBI arrested Wilhelm Reich oh. and held him in custody for three weeks. And this song is told from the perspective of his son, Peter. What? Yeah. So she's being, she is actually wow. the, she's sort of being Peter and saying that, and and talking about the day when when her when his father was taken away by the FBI for you know because because he's German yeah and um and how he's kind of frightened and she also knows that the father is is special you know like a glow yeah. in the dark like his glow in the dark yo yo right and that's what makes it special and that's what makes it dangerous as well and then like at the same time he's got to try and forget about the father because. You know, maybe he's he's done nothing wrong. He's going to get released and all that sort of stuff. And so um, it's called cloud bursting because he tried to direct this orgone energy to the clouds and make it rain. And he did this experiment one time and it actually did rain, but probably just coincidentally. Coincidentally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he got some money for it and all that sort of stuff. But it's called cloud bursting because he did all these experiments trying to make clouds rain with his magical life energy. And um, yeah, this this is totally from the perspective of that son whose dad gets arrested. I I, I find everything you are saying absolutely fascinating. <laughs> it's so it's and there's, there's so much no to idea. it as well. Yeah, and, and at the same time, contemporaries like Madonna are singing "Like a Virgin Touched for the Very First Time." Like it's just polar opposites. <laughs> yeah, you know this is art. Yes, exactly. Yes. Oh my goodness. Totally. And so like, there's so many great lyrics, like, like the father looking too small in their big black car and like saying that, that he, he doesn't look like he's a threat to the men in power. And, um, you know, um, that, uh, she, she hides, he hides, I keep saying she, cause it's her, but right. right. This is the weird thing is, is, is whenever I listen to this song now, after, after having done a bit of Adrian research yeah. is I, I, I imagine it as the boy singing it even though she's not like putting on a voice or anything. No. Yeah. 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 And so it's, I get this, <laughs> it's crazy. The layers of this and, album, um, incredible. It is right. And in, and that's why it says, and every time it rains, you hear in my head, because not only is he a psychologist, but also he was a psychologist who was trying to make it make rain. Make it rain. With this crazy, eh? Yeah. Every it's time it rains, bursting. you're here in my head. Oh my God. I'm right? going to listen it's to that so with good. new ears now. Yeah. 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 Well, see, yep, I, yep. I just took it as a, as a fantastic, um, 80s art pop track and I loved mm. the hook um, I know that something good is going to happen and I was like oh, I was yeah. walking around the house singing it and I'm like I know this and here's my story yeah. I, know, I know this I know this yeah. Like, uh, yeah. and there was a song in my youth <laughs> and you figured it out yeah from 1992 yeah. by a band called Utah Saints called something good <laughs> Utah Saints yeah. you, you, Utah, you, Saints. You, Utah Saints yep. yeah, that's I know the one. <laughs> that something good is gonna <laughs> 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 Yeah.
my gosh, do you know one. this track? I know. Yes, I do. I, I figured the same thing and I was like that same thing as you as I was going, hang on, hang on, hang, hang on. on. I know this. I couldn't Where is it? find it. I knew it. It was on the tip of my tongue rolling <laughs> yes. around. How frustrating. Oh, man. And, of course, in this uh, world of everything's at your fingertips, you know, I just punched it into the Google and, and, and I was like, yes, Utah Saints. And I played that song. Yep. And I was like, yep. yeah, that that's a it's a cracking, totally 90s house banger. Um, yeah, totally, totally. I, I don't think they did much. I think they had one other big track, but I always remember it from my my youth. But yeah, so mm-hmm. that tied it in, gave me some context. <laughs> and yeah, I love, I love this track. Look, the big ones for me were this track, The Big Sky. The Big Sky was the other one I loved. It got me moving. It was it had rhythm. It was yeah. 80s in the best way. And it just really showcased the uniqueness of her voice. And the vocalizations, yes. you know, was um yes. was, was incredible. I, I have no idea what it was about, but you know, um everyone's looking down and missing, but we're looking at the big sky. I don't know what that's what that's about. I haven't delved into every single. I haven't delved oh. into every single one. But can I just just jump quickly back to to um, cloud bursting? Please, just yeah. One more lyrical. One more lyrical cool cool oh, thing. Oh, hit me. That was is, yeah. You know how it says where she says, um, the sun's coming out. Like it's yeah. sort of because it's talking about cloud bursting makes it making it rain, and then the sun's coming out like as a, a symbol of hope. Mm-hmm. But then right at the end, it's like your sun's coming out. She says your sun, and it's S O N instead of U S U N. Yeah, you, this is yeah. great. Okay, I got to re-listen to that whole <laughs> thing. So good. You gotta, I got to read along with the lyrics. It. Yeah, it was yeah, interesting you on this because there's just every line is important. It's amazing. So, so on this, Sorry. normally you're right. Normally I read a whole bunch of stuff and then I dive in, but I actually like intentionally did a bit of a Leon. It sounds like you've done a bit of an Adrian. Oh wow! And, and I did a oh, bit only of a Leon. with that song, really. Okay. So, so I actually wrote. You know, normally there's context gathering and fact finding. On this one, I I, I dived in. And I live comment. Wow, that's great. In front of me, I've got each of the tracks with my live real-time thoughts, which I won't go right through, but it just, um, I wanted to capture the, the immediacy and my, my upon your first listens. Yeah. And of course, running up that hill, I kind of knew, but it's a long track. Um, it it lifts and surges and it has this momentum. It's a, it's a great track. Not just the 20 seconds that everyone knows from the, the stranger things kind of stuff. And then track two, Hounds of Love, another one. And again, the only song that I'd heard of Kate Bush before was Wuthering Heights, which was the 70s one, which got a bit shrill for me um, and, mm. and running up that hill. Hounds of Love, I'm listening to it and I'm like, I know this song. I know this song. Yeah. Yeah, I and think I know what you're going to say. Again, in the early 2000s, these post-punk revivalists called the Future Heads covered Hounds oh, of no, Love. Oh, no, I don't know what you're going to say. No? Okay. okay, interesting. I, no. I love this band called the Future Heads in the early 2000s. It was a whole post-punk. It was the, where it was the Strokes and the Hives and all of uh-huh. these bands, Jet and the Future Heads and the Libertines. Anyway, Future Heads I loved. And they did a cover of Hounds of Love. Didn't know it was did a cover. And, um, and it was great. And I liked that. I well, like the lyric, the hounds of love are hunting. I've always been a coward. Um, I, oh, I don't know what's no. good for me. Here I go. Like. The 
I know. And I love this. There's like this sort of narrative structure that then switches around to almost being sounding autobiographical yeah. where you've got this, you know, this, this fox that's been um, chased by dogs and like this, this cat, this um, protagonist takes it in her arms and it's a little heart's beating so fast. And then you go, Oh wait, you, you, your heart beats fast when you're in love as well. And, yeah. and then you suddenly you realize it's a whole, the whole thing's a metaphor. Yes. And yeah. it's it's great, but you know what I was gonna say is that the the string track in the background sounds oh. almost exactly like "Burn the Witch" by Radiohead. Oh yes, I I, I just I hadn't <laughs> thought of that, but as soon as you mentioned that, yeah. I'm like, I, okay, I know I can hear it in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's... Well, one of the greatest art rock, you know, bands of of all time, um, Radiohead, definitely taking. Mm influence potentially from the one of the great art pop um artists no, absolutely yeah um, and i'm um, back onto running up that hill like there's a, i really love how she she goes right down into her register yeah and she's known for being like quite high up in her voice but then she goes right down into that register where, where mm. it sounds like she just must have such an incredible range and i love how she does that so often in this in that song yeah and and that that and it, there's this clear crescendo in that song and then it brings but but it goes only for about 20 seconds but then yeah. it brings you down again just before it finishes it's incredible and, it, and it's uh, it's just such a good 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 song to me I, I did actually a lot of thinking about what was being said in a, in a lot of these songs not every song mm. but I, I thought about this one and i think it's about um i think it's a feminist kind of a song where she's okay. singing about um taking um being given the opportunity to to have everything that a a man all the opportunities that a man would have in mm. life mm. and sort of um it would be quite easy if only we could switch sides sort of thing oh like yeah, okay. you'd, we'd, we'd understand yeah one another i think i think that's what it's about and that's what i got from it um is that it's it's like um if i could only make a deal with god like meaning yep. someone who's all powerful yep i think yeah no i definitely picked up on some kind of um position positional switch you know if only we could switch switch places um yeah i think it's to do with men and women yes Fascinating. I'll, I'll read you just some of the stuff really quickly. What I live, I live commented while I was listening to it. Mm, go for it, please. Ka Kate's voice is rich and piercing and full of character. Um, mm. And then this bit, which comments on what you just said there, art rock lifts and surges, continual momentum gives it room. Yes. Could have been a three minute pop song, but better when it plays out to rise and roll breaks, crashes, swirls, and then washes back out to sea. I wrote that. I think I felt it was the perfect time. length. Perfect. Perfect. And mm. you're right. It had that it crescendo just, and then it crashed yes. on the shore, swept up and washed back and took us down. And it was yeah, a totally. beautiful piece of production. I really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. So, so that's, and then side, side one kind of ends with this and dream of sheep, which I wrote down. It's kind of like the song that someone does interpretive dance to, um, had samples of people speaking yeah. men and women. It was a little weird and I did, I didn't love it. Um, I kind of, and that oh, was I straight did. after cloud bursting. I was like, okay, it's interesting. Yeah, oh, oh, I did. Let me tell you why okay. I loved and dream of sheep. Yep. Um, this, this, I think this song 
is actually the start of three songs that are all like a trio of songs that are about sleep and they're okay. about going to sleep and about dreaming because this song I had, a, I, it, it really got me. It, what was re- what really got me? So there's this absolute crushing, um, crushingly emotive, oh, that she sings right before she says, she sings, I'll wake up to the sound, I'll wake up to any sound, right? And, she, and then she says, of engines and every goal seeking a craft, and then the song crescendos at that point. Right. Right? And... That, that's the bit that kept coming, making me come back. I was waiting for that bit because it just absolutely slayed me every time. And then I started really thinking about the lyrics and I think it's like a, some sort of metaphor perhaps again because the, the song is actually about a person who's um, stuck on a life raft out in the middle of the ocean and about to die and wants to kind of just go to sleep because, um, you know, if they go to sleep, at least it'll be peaceful. And then, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm asleep. Someone will find me. It's all ah, good. Yeah. Um, someone will find me. Yeah, You know, they're not going to mistake me for a boy out there. They're going to see what that is. And and then and as this person sort of drifts off to sleep, um, then there's this sort of dreamlike song that starts up called Under Ice. Yeah, well, see, that's that's where I thought side two kicks off. And and I thought oh. that that. All the songs, maybe on, yeah. The, all the songs on side two were some conceptual art piece that are linked around the theme, and I thought it was someone dying. So the first mm, I song, I think, there's a lot is, of themes of death. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first song, "Under Ice," it starts, and she actually is saying, I, "I'm skating on the ice." There's a splitting sound or something mm-hmm. like that, and so mm-hmm. it's it's very cold. She's skating on the ice. She's going fast. Um, it's very conceptual. There's storms and sound effects and people's voices. Mm-hmm. And she says, so, um, something's moving under the ice, you know, and mm-hmm. I thought, is it, is it her? And then she sings something like it's me. And then the next yes. song is waking the witch. And then, and that gets really, uh, art conceptual, yes. you know, where there's people's voices demanding she wake up that are swirling around in your headphones. Yes. And, you know, she sees there's a little light up there. Is she dead or dying? And then it kind of, I was like, whoa, what's happening? Uh-huh. There's, there's shuddering and shattering sounds and it bursts forth. Really got my attention. It was weird. It was experimental. It was fully yeah. overblown yeah. Eddie's production. But it was really interesting. After I thought Under Ice and then and, and Dream of Sheep were a little, little um, lax after after the excitement of of the big tracks on the side one. Um, well, I, I really loved weird. it because to me it's like this person who's falling asleep in this life raft, and then there's and and um, then suddenly they're they're dreaming about the most beautiful thing. And like so, what's interesting is the lyrics are very beautiful and because she's talking about how wonderful everything's beautiful and white mm. and she's yeah. noticing all the lines and the the, the 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 snow coming off the off her skates and stuff like that and everything's lovely but the the but the the, the music is very foreboding and mm. the opposite of that the music sounds very like ominous. something wrong is yes ominous is exactly the word i was looking for and 
but then at some point she starts to see something under the ice and it's either a person who's trapped under the ice but probably like what i think is what you think is that it's actually her Mm. somehow and it's actually a dream because she's just Mm -hmm. fallen asleep in the previous song and so she's dreaming that she's skating along but then suddenly she's actually also under the ice yeah you know and i think it's it's kind of like this kind of trapped thing where she's got this she's got this dream of her skating on the ice but actually she's in a life raft about to die and so there's this almost nightmare thing going on yeah and then and then waking the witch explodes forth with all those um People's voices accusing her. Wake up, wake up, wake up, love. You know, yeah. uh, guilty, guilty, guilty. All these accusing voices. And yeah, there's yeah, helicopter yes. coming over and there's uh-huh. people saying, um, get out of the water. So you're right. It sounds like maybe yes. you're under something there where it's a life, life raft, water, sleep, dreaming. Acu- and of course, in your dying state, maybe your life flashes. This is this her life flashing before her eyes or something? Yeah, exactly. And like there's this, this sort of um, threatening sort of demonic voice coming through as well. Yes. Yeah. Telling is, her things that she doesn't want to hear. Yeah. Very strange. Whispering in her ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So super conceptual track. Um, and she's saying something about red, red roses, something about uh, poses. And I wasn't sure what that was exactly, mm. but I'm sure if you looked into that, that it, it means well we've something. only had a few weeks to listen to this um yeah. we've only been listening to this for a few weeks and so we're i mean i think it speaks of the depth that this album goes to when we've listened to it for a few weeks and already we've unpacked quite a few things yes um, that that's that uh, you know it hints that there's even more to to go with this album. yeah oh uh, totally and then you know the last three tracks sort of similar there's jig of life is is because mm. she has irish i think heritage or she is irish yeah of something so there's an actual um full river dance t- style breakdown in the middle but again there's lyrics something around come on let me live you know is this a con- it's mm-hmm. obviously a continuation of this dying dead ghost otherworldly type concept um and there's more voices and more memories and all that kind of stuff um yeah and it- there's there's this little 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 line in one of the um later tracks called hello hello earth yeah and you know when you got me to listen to julia jacqueline back in back that yeah. back then, a few lessons a few a few uh, episodes ago yeah there's this line that um reminds me um where she says it's just my mind and it's just my body julia jacqueline says yes. that yeah and well um uh, kate bush says that some lines at the start um with just my heart and just my mind ah. and it reminded me very much of that yeah, nice throwback. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure uh, Julia Jacqueline would have listened to some Kate Bush in her time, potentially, if not if not artists that were influenced by Kate Bush, um, Tori Amos, yeah. et cetera. Um, yeah, so Hello Earth, you know, again, there's these sort of heavenly, uh, beautifully produced, mm-hmm. epic choir-type elements. It's it's quite overly theatrical. Um, yeah, the whole album is very theatrical, though. It's yeah. very much based around, I think, um, telling a bigger meaning through metaphor and narrative. And I imagine, so Kate Bush studied mime and I cringe when Tishy. I hear, yep, I cringe when I hear <laughs> mime, right? But you get it. So she's, I think she studied dance, mime, singing. So she's a full triple thread artist in the full sense, a performative yeah. artist and mm-hmm. uses all the tools in her toolbox to express her artistic sentiment. And this being um, an album, obviously, composed mostly of of songs and it's her audio art but i imagine that there would be 
you know, dancing, theatricality, performative elements to mm. her art. And, and mm-hmm. there's more. It's not just I'm saying her artistic statement is more than just what we're listening to. There's some, there's other stuff out there. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that rounds out, you know, the six track, The Morning Fog. Uh, we're back to that Peter Gabriel-esque art rock. It's quite mm-hmm. stark, crisp, minimal. Um, there's fresh acoustic guitar flourishes and layered vocals and rhythmic bass, great sense of movement. Um, and, and then you're out and you're ready to go again because I tell you what, a yeah. couple of times I would flip it straight back to the start and go again. It was it was a... a Over the last really week good. or so, I've been getting a little obsessive with this album actually. It's been, I've been listening to it basically every day, sometimes a couple of times a day. It's been, wow. it's been pretty good. Yeah, and I think I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. I think that speaks to the way Kate Bush gained crazy devoted fans over the years for her work. Like she has depth yep. and uh, artistic integrity and artistic intent. It's really, it's exactly really the point of this confession booth where you just go, why have I never listened to this yep. before? No. Thank God I have now. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, this yeah. album is wonderful at its best. It's exciting. It's groundbreaking theatrical art pop. Um, a couple yep. of times it, it it fades into what I call um, high school interpretive dance music, but uh, very briefly, <laughs> very briefly, for my taste, you know, um, you know, it's most it's mostly groundbreaking theatricality rather than, than the interpretive dance uh, style stuff. But you know, it's fascinating, and I think, um, you know, she definitely made way for artists like Tori Amos and Bjork. Um, yeah. This album haunted me. It got under my skin in a really wonderful way, and this is one that I'll be revisiting uh, again in the future. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Or well, shall we jump on to the next one by Miles Davis, the one and the only jazz giant, Miles Davis. We are listening to Sketches of Spain. Uh, Sketches of Spain uh, won the 1961 Grammy Award for Best Jazz Composition of more wow. than five minutes duration. The album was ranked number 358 on Rolling Rolling Stones' list of the 500 greatest mm-hmm. albums of all time. Now, interestingly, mm-hmm. it's also credited as being arranged and conducted by Gil Evans, who was a large ensemble orchestral band leader and jazz arranger. Oh, um, did you pick okay, up? Okay, I didn't the, know that. No, so it's and that I had to go back and it made sense. Uh, we'll get to some points why it made sense. The cover, obviously Spanish style covers. There's a Miles silhouette, that classic silhouette. Kind of feels him. a bit like uh, it feels a bit sort of abstract art or something as well. Feels like abstract art. You know, Miles is a bullfighter, but he's holding a trumpet and there's a bull outline. And mm-hmm. I think that's obviously called Sketches of Spain. Strongly, yeah, intimates what we're about to get into. What did you think? Yes, indeed. Well, tell me, look, before we get into it, tell me the truth. Did you choose this just because it sounds similar to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards album, Sketches of Brunswick? Yes. You did, didn't you? <laughs> well, put, put it this way. Put it this way. I've heard, I've listened to some classic Miles Davis. So Bitches Brew, uh, my favourite Miles yep. Davis album is a tribute to Jack Johnson, which is two two songs, one on each side, which is 
rock fusion, jazz rock fusion, wow. and of course, okay. um, you know, kind of blue. I'd never listened to this, and yeah. I thought of sketches of Brunswick East, the King Gizzard album, and I thought, yeah, yeah Miles Davis, this is a five star album in the greatest albums of all time list. I've never heard it. Let's listen to it. So yes, yeah. I did. I did. I, I'm more in, into and familiar with um, that kind of blue era of Miles Davis, and that I mean that free jazz is what I'm I'm all about. I love yeah. that kind of hard bop. sort of fast. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this whole thing for me, I found this a bit, the whole experience a little bit jarring because I what for some reason I don't know why I should have paid attention to the year I suppose, but mm. I was expecting jazz. An, ex- an experimental jazz feel, but this felt more like a soundtrack to me. I agree wholeheartedly. I am more familiar and enjoy his, J- Miles Davis's sort of later seventies fusion elements, j- jazz uh, yeah, fusion, okay, rock yeah. fusion mm-hmm. elements, and I do I do enjoy his earlier stuff as well. This was not what I expected, and it no, was more me neither. more score than jazz. Um, yeah. Totally, it's, totally. It's five songs. It's forty-one minutes, but it but it is centered around the opening track of sixteen minutes, which is called Concerto di Aranjuez Adagio. No idea what yep. that means. Um, adagio means slow. <laughs> adagio means slow in musical terms. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah. um, interesting. But yes. it's, it's sort of it's sort of the titles are more like what you would talk what you would title um, an orchestra piece. A hundred percent. So. You know, this this song is made up of movements similar to classical music composition more than yes, totally. the jazz elements. Jazz elements where classical jazz composition uh, centered around a head, you know, or a, or a, or a theme, and you'll revisit that theme, and then there's structured structured yes. moments of free jazz uh, ability in in between. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah some improvisation. Was, yeah, yeah. But, but I, I um I, I had to listen to this quite a few times before I could kind of separate myself from jazz Miles Davis to this kind of atmospheric world building Miles Davis. Yeah. Yes, I, I did too. Um, I wrote down. Do I like it? Question mark. Maybe, but yeah. mainly, I, it threw me. It threw me. Yeah, and, big time. And it took me out of the moment. So I kept when I was listening to this, I kept observing myself, observing mm-hmm. this music. It didn't yes. draw me. It Same here. Yeah, it didn't draw me in like other jazz can. It's, it's not a bad thing. It was just different because no. you're right. Unmet expectations are the biggest source of frustration. Yeah, well, I, I wrote down that it kept it kept creeping up on me as background music. Like I found myself yeah. like um, not tuning out, but not um, directly listening and engaging with the music. And then suddenly, some rad burst of Miles Davis genius would come out, and I'd yes. be back again. Yeah, and so yeah, I found it took a deceptive amount of attention to to really appreciate this and when you are really focused in you go oh this is actually extremely good but it was really hard you, you can't i mean I, I guess you can let it be background music but to fully mm. appreciate it you have to really engage with it and make sure that you're engaging your mind as you are listening and really thinking about the relationships between all the different instruments yeah i uh, struggled initially listening to it with my noise cancelling headphones um, because mm. of the castanets and some of the militaristic drum drumming, the yep. drum rolls yep. and some of the military style um, elements in the percussion. 
uh, it, it, it really jarred me and, and kind of kept breaking into my enjoyment of the piece. Um, not to say that's bad. Yeah. Again, it was just not expected. You know, it starts, there's castanets and shimmering sounds. There's gorgeous horn sections. Um, mm-hmm. But did I hear woodwind? I don't know if there's woodwind on there, but it sounded like classically composed orchestral. Yeah, it sounded element. like a full orchestra. Yeah, full orchestra. That's what it sounds like. Um, yeah, it was like a classical piece I mean, it's, centered it's around jazz to, elements. It's, yes, exactly. And it's a tribute to Miles Davis is that he can be so divergent in his ability to play different styles and even play styles that are belonging to a totally different country. Yeah. <laughs> you know? my, my feeling on this is that, you know, Miles, so prolific, so interested, such, such a musical genius. And I don't mm. think he wanted to be known as a jazz musician. He just wanted to be known as a musician. And I get yes. the feeling that he'd heard some flamenco music, uh, which may have been massive at the time. Think of Astrid Gilberto and and some of that kind of stuff, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But but think about flamenco as a different style. And he's kind of like grabbed onto it and gone, I'm going to explore that. You know, I'm going to yep. dive in and explore flamenco and Spanish style. And hence, here are some of my sketches from my Spanish mm. influence, yeah, my exactly. Spanish exploration. Exactly. Um, well, I found that it was interesting that the trumpet, you know, as a trumpeter, it, it didn't command the attention above all the other instruments. He just no. let himself blend seamlessly in with the rest of the the band or the orchestra that was playing. Yeah. Which I found quite interesting because normally he's like right up there front and center and, and it's it's the Miles Davis show. Yes. Yeah. Here we are, guys. Uh, make way. Lay down the bedrock because I'm building here. Bang. Miles. Yes. <laughs> You know, yeah, exactly. but, but in this one, no, it was again. I, I would say a highly collaborative, elef- uh, um, a highly collaborative uh, project with Gil Evans. It sounds like they worked very closely yes, together to create like this. Mm-hmm. It, there think, were moments so when too. there was a, a singular trumpet line in the first uh, piece that was gorgeous yep. and breathy and emotional. But what's wonderful? It's so subtle. So subtle. You know, rather than being big and in your face mm. and just kind of like, a, a, you know, whacking you over the head, it's just it's just lilting and subtle and you've got to listen for the genius in there. But it is in there. Yeah, you're right. Um, there was a real grace and a sense of dramatic. Mm. You know, there were moments of drama and tension, and all, some of it mm-hmm. was it felt almost heroic. You know, there was a heroic, a heroicism yeah, totally. to it, an expressiveness. You know, and and a pathos to the the main horn melody, which wasn't slapping you in your face. It was uh, a, a gorgeous, you know, um, felt piece. Uh, which yeah, was and really, really uh, interesting. Did, there's some cool bits where um, he would kind of 
bend his notes and oh, like and, and make the notes kind of bend so that they were you know they were playing sort of microtonal sounds I suppose as though they were going down and up and 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 it yes. sort of it made it not it made it feel like it was quite discordant and and really interesting and I don't know enough about the history of jazz and and enough about Spanish music to know where the intersections of the two actually come in but yeah. Um, it really bent my ear and made me think. Okay, this is there's something interesting going on here. And I think if I was more musically educated, yeah. then I'd be going, "Oh my goodness, look, look, look what he's doing here!" That oh, yeah, God, it's perfect fusion. You know, I, I got the feel that there was something incredible happening. You're beyond, right. yeah, yeah. The, especially in track yeah, five, which me. is the so track one, sixteen minutes, and then two, three, four are kind of shorter pieces, like three minutes, mm. and then track five is a twelve minute piece called Solea. And you know that is flamenco trumpet with a, with a, which is bold and centered. But on that one, um, there is some some seriously cool and interesting horn emotiveness where yes. Miles kind of allows the horn to like leak and and creak like it's it's breathing, it's it's discordant, it's there's something mm-hmm. in the trumpet in a way. I'll, or I think he plays a flugelhorn on some bits too. Which, <laughs> yeah, which is a, a different, <laughs> slightly different instrument. But yeah, so there's there's something going on the way he's using the trumpet. Like I think of um, Party Dozen where they yell into the bell of the the saxophone. Like yeah, he's yeah. I don't know what he's doing, but I was like, wow, that's cool. That's different. Um, Do you reckon the flugelhorn was invented by a dude named Flugel and hoped to jump on the bandwagon <laughs> of, um, of Adolf the Sachs. saxophone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah, Barry Flugelman was the bitter enemy of Adolf Sachs. <laughs> Forever in combat to find out who would be victorious with their instrument. So he created the flugelhorn, and it's like, mate, your, your, your name just doesn't have the ring of sax. Doesn't have the, the sax appeal. That's right. No, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I found, so- uh, yeah, at any rate, just to come back to the top. Yeah. Um, I found myself that I was by constantly listening to Spanish music and jazz music at the same time with this, and it was kind of like, but it, it was simultaneous. It wasn't like going from one to the other. Yeah. It was listening to both at the same time. Yeah, hand in hand. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah it was, exactly. It, it was and- interesting. So there must be some sort of musical relationship between the two, hence why he's chosen it. But mm. yeah, I just don't know it because my musical education is limited. Yeah, I, I'm I'm firmly in that camp as well. Um, some of the interesting things that that probably jarred me, and I I, I either didn't like because I wasn't expecting it, or I was like, okay, this is not what I signed up for. I don't know. But the, like I said before, there was some um, militaristic feel you know, with regaling mm. horns and fanfare mm-hmm. and some marching mm-hmm. snare drums. And, so do you uh, think that maybe there's a story being told? Uh, there's something going on and maybe that's a traditional, maybe he's taken a traditional Spanish song and oh, yeah, he's, and, and that's the influence. So he's putting in this traditional Spanish, I don't know, military song, religious song, whatever it is into the miles filter. And it's coming out mm. his horn and he's arranging that with Gil Evans in a, what I imagine 
is probably a fairly interesting exercise, especially for the time. Um, did I enjoy that? Those elements? Not so much. I was like, okay, mm. when I put it on my stereo at home, it felt intellectual rather than um, um, immediate and and emotional and engaged. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it engages you. It engages your brain rather than your gut. Yeah, and that and that's how I feel with some of um, the larger compositional elements of of, of orchestra. Um, and opera even, you know, like I know that it's, some of them are genius and they move you and there are pieces, but um, it, it never mm. is super transcendent for me. And I didn't find this album transcendent uh, in the way that some jazz and especially some Miles Davis jazz can. Um, and that's yeah. not a bad thing. Just a different Maybe it's thing. a product of its time. Yeah. Maybe it's a product of its time where it, it, it like in 1965, it would have been, um, you know, absolutely transcendent because that was what was happening in the zeitgeist or something. But yeah, you know, maybe from our filter of 2022, it's maybe not so much. Yeah, it was. Uh, so there were parts here again, where you stand up and you go, Miles Davis, he can make the trumpet sing. He can make the trumpet oh, yeah. scream, you know, he can smack you yeah. in the face with what he's playing. And mm -hmm. there was the fusion of the flamenco influenced jazz lines and the traditional orchestral compositional classical music that was interesting. It took me a while to get there, but it was interesting and I loved putting it on and playing it. Um, but yeah. I did have a hard time when it was in my headphones that it would break right through and, and it didn't take me away. It kind of uh, broke in, in a, not an annoying way, but in a, I don't know, immediate way. Like, Yeah. So, so that it, it sort of, um, you found that the sounds of the instruments themselves were kind of overtaking the rest of the sound. Is that what you mean? Yeah, it's like a, a somewhat jarring. So some bits would be, you'd be like, okay, mm. I'm being taken away. I'm, I'm engaged with this piece. But then it would jar me through yep. some sounds, some instruments. And sort of. Percussion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe it was meant to reset the, the, the listener, perhaps. No. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. I like the bits where it started to swing a little bit more. Like there was some, some yes. um, slow jaunts. I think and... that just speaks to our our, our um, subjective wants, particularly yes. with Miles Davis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the brooding, strong, considered playing. Uh, yeah. Where 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 the Miles flavor came to the fore, and yeah, the orchestral um, parts. But I, mean, I guess that's part of it, and like what you said earlier, it's like when you when you put on Miles Davis, you want to have some bit of Miles Davis, and I'm not sure that that what I know as the Miles Davis flavor came through. But again, mm. like it's it speaks to his versatility and um, breadth as a musician that he yeah. can do that. Um, but it's maybe just not the flavor that you and I tend to go for when we put on Miles Davis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, totally. And look, hey, we've talked about where musicians who flog a dead horse, who just stay in the one lane and just kill it. And you're yes, like, guys, exactly. you made three great albums. You've made four terrible albums. Just stop. <laughs> just stop. But Miles Davis, God bless the man. He, he yes. explores his artistic endeavor. He says, no, you're not going to put me in a box. I'm not a, I'm not a hard bop um, jazz guy. I've done cool mm -hmm. jazz. He does jazz fusion. He does all mm -hmm. these kind of um, crazy elements. And in this artistic endeavor, he's taken something that's attracted his attention, piqued his interest, the music of Spain, flamenco music. Yep. And he's explored that and created art based on a new lane, a new input, a new inspiration. And I felt exactly. that. I felt that Miles 
was inspired to make this and there was something cool going on and I enjoyed feeling his inspiration and yeah, good hearing call. the work that he was doing. Um, like yeah, exactly. The- and then, and then of course he, be, he moved beyond that later as well. Like he kind of changed again and, and transformed his, uh, his way of making music again and just never stops um, building and adding to his repertoire. Yeah. Changing his practice. Um, exploring different avenues and different colors and shades and palettes. Um, it was it was cool. Mm-hmm. And just like you go to the art gallery and you walk around a corner and you walk into a room and they are displaying artist X and you go, wow, mm-hmm. this is confronting. This is interesting. This is boring. This is silly. You kind of take the moment, you enjoy yep. the experience, you process your emotions, and then you walk around the corner. Do you come back and visit? Sometimes you do. There is artworks that yeah. I've gone to sit in front of just to sit there and have that experience again and again. We've talked about this, but but with this album, I would probably go in, enjoy the display, walk around the corner and look for some other works by the artist. And, and also find yourself, I mean, you'd find yourself somewhat subtly changed at the end of it and somewhat having grown from it. Yeah. Um, and has it, has it shaken your life? Maybe not necessarily, but has it added to your life? Yeah, absolutely. It's not something you look at and go, oh, my God, yuck. No. You, you like go, oh, that's pretty interesting. And yes. it subtly adds to your experience of Miles Davis without going, oh, my God, I can't believe we made this trash. It's like, yeah, this is, this is interesting, but it's like it's not if it's not something that I, if I want to put on Miles Davis that I would necessarily come back to. Yeah, but it's certainly good. Yes, interesting, uh, good. Um, yeah, it is. It, it shapes. Sorry, I use that word good. It's a terrible word. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's it is a it's a good album. It is an album that um, was interesting, was engaging, was uh, yes. Yeah, experimental. Yeah, fusion. Yeah, world music. Um, it, it broadened know, it, it's, my it's... musical experience. It broadened my musical palette, um, and I'm thankful for the experience. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I did have to yeah. put on straight after well, this some of his more rock fusion stuff just to give me a hit of what mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm, craving. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'll return to this one, but maybe Leon. Maybe if I go through my flamenco phase, my Spanish. <laughs> holidaying phase i will review yeah this album. so well maybe look maybe if you do visit spain and then you go oh now uh, i get it you know what i mean yeah maybe some more maybe. context would help me realize the genius exactly. of this of what he's doing he's taking I this so. sp- amazing spanish stuff and giving it the miles davis filter yeah but some context would yeah, help me yeah, enjoy this maybe. more i think yeah I, I agree well do you want a fact of the week Love a fact of the week. Hit me. Well, it's not about Miles Davis. It's about um, it's about Kate Bush. Ah. You know, Wuthering Heights was the first time a woman had reached the number one song in the UK with a self-written song. What? Yeah. That was like late Can 70s. you believe that? You're kidding yeah. me. The first time that a woman had reached the number one with a self-written song in the UK. Okay. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. I have so many questions. <laughs> that? I've, that is fascinating. Very, very interesting. She's a groundbreaker. She's a pioneer. And again, so yeah. thankful for this Confession Booth series where we take Me too. universally acclaimed albums that we have never listened to, where we confess our wrongs of having not listened to those albums. We write those wrongs and we present this uh, discussion as penance. So listeners, I hope you enjoyed Indeed. that. Let us know what you thought about Kate Bush uh, and her album Hounds of Love. Let us know your take on Miles. 
Miles Davis, Sketches of Spain. Uh, hit us up on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. Tell us if you've got a topic that you want us to explore in the future. You can hit us up on supersonicchat at gmail.com. And telling a friend is the best way to spread the fun that we create here. But, but hear me out, hear me out. I have an idea. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, and then have a little fun with it and absolutely roast us in the comments. Give us five stars, but then just bomb us so hard and say our podcast is the worst thing you ever heard. But then give us the five stars. It doesn't matter. The algorithm doesn't care what you say. It just cares about the stars. Give us those stars. Thank you. That was a wonderful episode of Supersonic.